Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I want to talk about the rapper DMX. I just saw that DMX is uh, dealing with a tough situation. Uh, drugs again. You know, the drugs have been a part of DMX's life for a long time, and uh, this is not new information. Uh, but what I want to do is give you a perspective on this so that we don't just sort of do what white media is going to do and, uh, you know, just sort of say, whoa, what a shame. Uh, he's so stupid. What's wrong with him? Uh, I'd rather give you some perspective on it. You guys know I like to give you the game of life and help break it down for you. And so um, if you want to get comfortable, go ahead and get comfortable now and hit the thumbs up button. We're going to get started on DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. So we will begin the process right now. Here we are, clan, the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money and the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. Uh, do me a favor. Give me a yes in the chat if you can hear me okay. Uh, I'm in a different location. I'm actually in Atlanta uh, doing some real estate stuff and things like that. So um, uh, let me know. Give me a yes in the chat if you can hear me. Now, uh, I want to go ahead and just start off. You know me. Uh, I, I tell you what I get from my daddy. My daddy is a guy who uh, is uh, very straightforward, very raw. And sometimes I'm extraordinarily raw. And I see some of you that are saying that my title was insensitive. And uh, first of all, I want to acknowledge that and say I hear you. I completely hear you. That is not my intention to be insensitive. And so uh, just chalk it up to the fact that I'm an insensitive bastard. Sometimes I get it from my daddy. I love my daddy. But my daddy was, was a guy that kept it raw. And uh, and, uh, and I think about DMX uh, when I think about my, my father and, uh, and, and kind of what, what went down, you know, when I was a kid. And uh, in case you don't know, let me just give you the backstory, and then I'm going to give you the raw, honest perspective on this. Uh, now, if you are a person who is not intelligent, then please leave the room because this is not for unintelligent people. This is a place for people that want to actually think and learn and grow. Uh, so if you're in that category, please stay. If you're not in that category, you should probably go. If you want to hear what white media is going to say about this, then you need to just get the fuck out. Just go go watch CNN or something. Let white people tell you whatever they're going to tell you. Uh, I don't do white media here. This is not white media. This is black media. Uh, thirdly, uh, if you uh, if you want me to sugarcoat things, uh, then I, I'm not that guy. I'm not good at sugarcoating anything. Uh, I get in trouble all the time for being honest and direct. Uh, again, just chalk it up to the fact that I was, I, my father was honest and direct with me. And when I think about DMX, uh, DMX right now, uh, just to give you the backstory, DMX is in the hospital. He's in the hospital for a drug overdose. And uh, that's not a surprise that's happened before. And uh, and I, my heart goes out to this brother. And so with DMX being in the, in the hospital with this um, overdose, he apparently had a heart attack. They're talking like he may not make it. And that's what it is. That's what's going on. Uh, and that's what I'm here to talk about. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to just talk about DMX just to sort of gossip about it, you know, just to sort of do what people normally do where they don't where there's no progress, where everybody just sits back and says, oh, our hearts and prayers, or, you know, our thoughts and prayers go to the family. And we're so sorry. Oh, my God, this is so sad. Lord Jesus, who? how could this happen? Y'all know how it happens. I mean, y'all know, you know, y'all know what it is. You know, um, I've had Ice Cube on this platform. Ice Cube, you know, is a, is a pretty, is very prominent rapper, very a good guy, smart guy. And uh, and I remember my first, one of my first authentic public service announcements on drugs was actually when Ice Cube made the song Dope Man. Give me a yes in the chat if you remember this line in the song Dope Man. Remember when Ice Cube jumped out and said, if you smoke cane, you were stupid, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to cuss. I'm, I'm trying not to cuss today. But y'all remember that line? And, and, and that line is as, as, as quiet as it's kept. I haven't talked to Cube about that particular line. I'd like to get his perspective on it. But that line to me was almost as powerful as when he said F the police. F the police was probably his most famous lyric. But if you smoke cane, you were stupid, blah, 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 blah. Right. That line was important. Let me tell you why that line was important. It was an important line because as he's telling you the story about the hood and crackheads and what drugs did to the black community, how they planted drugs deliberately to destroy the black man, he was making it clear that 
if you are a person who smokes, then you are stupid. Right now, mind you, you can critique a lot of stuff, though, in the music. Right. There's a lot you can critique in terms of uh, whether the message was appropriate. Uh, if you listen to Cube's music to this day uh, and I followed him for 30 years, I about 25 years, however long he's been rapping. And uh, and I saw him, the, the evolution of his music. Right. But uh, but you can critique all of it. I think it's all fair game. And uh, but but one of the things that you you have to understand is that that message was very important because what it did for me when I was a kid, when I was 20 years old, 19, whatever, is I heard, okay, I don't want to get high on my own supply. Remember he said that? Then Biggie said it, don't get high off your own supply, right? And that was kind of a thing basically saying, you know, just basically, you know, simply saying crack is whack, right? You don't want to be the crack here. You don't want to get involved in drugs. Don't mess with that stuff. That'll mess you up. That message resonated with me. And that was a powerful, important message because he could have easily said that crack is cool. He could have easily said, everybody, let's go get high today. He could have said, you know, hey, I, I smoked some crack today. It was real good, right? He could have said that. A lot of rappers today say that. A lot of rappers today will tell young black men to go get hooked on drugs, right? They will. They, they'll just be like Molly Percocet, Molly Percocet. Was it, a Future has a song where the chorus is literally Molly Percocet. And if you are, again, mind you, I'm not just a Negro running his mouth on the internet. I have a PhD in business. So I understand marketing. And marketing messages are very powerful in hip hop. Hip hop rappers were the original social media influencers. They were social media influencers before social media was even a thing. Rappers influence people to do things and to buy products. Everybody who says it's just entertainment doesn't understand the power of the subconscious mind. Uh, the woman I'm going to marry is an expert on the subconscious mind. We talk about how music literally pierces the depths of your brain to the point where you're taking in messages and you don't even know it. So um, so, so getting back to DMX and his drug overdose in this horribly unfortunate situation. Uh, first of all, I want to make that clear. Like if, if my title sounded insensitive, just chalk it up to the fact that I ain't perfect. Chalk it up to the fact that I sometimes I say shit and Alicia will be like, boys, that was so insensitive. Why would you say I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I get it from my daddy. Because let me tell you how my daddy taught me about drugs. My daddy is is experienced with drugs. Uh, he uh, he said it publicly so I can say it publicly. Uh, he he came back from Vietnam. And he had uh, when he went to Vietnam, they sent a lot, a lot of black men to go die in Vietnam. A lot of them came back either dead or crazy or messed up in the head. And uh, and while they were there, they got introduced to heroin. My father came back with a heroin addiction. He had to fight through that. And uh, and the thing that I remember my father kind of doing with me was he gave me raw, real life uh, scenarios to make 100 percent clear to me. You don't want to mess with that dope. That dope will catch you. It will grab you. It will hold you for life. How many of you give me a yes or no? If you have anybody in your family that has struggled with drugs, give me a yes or no. If you if you or anybody in your family has struggled with dope and you understand the devastation that drugs can do, particularly drugs like cocaine, things like that. Give me a yes or no in the chat if you've seen that. Right. It's terrible. It's absolutely horrible. And that's one of the reasons why they targeted your community so directly. That's why. They went after black people with the drugs because they knew they said, look, all this black power stuff, all this like, you know, togetherness and unity and and, and education and, and, and black love that, that's growing. We can kill all of that if we replace the love with the drugs, if we replace the unity with the crack cocaine, if we replace good families with drug related violence, uh, if we replace uh, we replace progress with something that creates no progress at all. Because your drugs become, when, when you mess with that dope, the dope becomes your lover. The dope becomes your best friend. Uh, the dope becomes your life. It becomes your family. It becomes your relationship. And uh, one of the things that I will say about DMX, and, I, and I, again, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You know how I am. I just tell it like it is. But, uh, but I'm going to give him credit on one thing. I remember hearing him for 20 years talk about the struggle with, with, with that dope. He talks about how, when he was 15 years old, somebody, his supposed mentor literally cursed him. He cursed him, but it would, but the thing is, the thing about a lot of curses you get in your life is that the curse often appears as a blessing. The curse comes disguised as a blessing. You think somebody's blessing you with something good. Like, like you, you think that you, you, you know, you think you won the prize because she got a big button to smile, but you find out that that girl is poison. Right. Or you they, they, they bless you with this great experience like, oh, I'd use this dope and it was the best thing in the world. But they've cursed you with something with a monkey that's going to be on your back. 
for the rest of your life. It's going to ruin everything. It's going to take all your money. It's going to get you sent to jail. It's going to cause you to lose your family. It's going to cause you to lose your respect, your dignity, and probably eventually lose your life. So with, with DMX and this whole situation that he's going through, um, I want to ask you guys for permission to do something real quick. Um, you know, as you hit the thumbs up button and all this stuff, I want to ask you for permission. I need you to give me explicit permission. Can I be honest with you? Can I be raw with you? If I say something that's insensitive, I apologize in advance because I am a truly fucked up individual in certain areas and I am fully open to that. I completely acknowledge that. So I want to make sure that what I say is not misconstrued as Boyce is, Boyce is hating on DMX. Boyce don't like DMX. I know black folks love their rappers. I know that when somebody goes down and gets sick or dies or something, we spend a lot of time crying, but not enough time learning. We spend a lot of time mourning, but not enough time developing and growing. We spend a lot of time reacting, but very little time proacting. We don't really prepare for the future. We just respond to the past. So I want to ask for permission. Give me a yes in the chat. I want to just be real blatant and real clear about this. Give me a yes if it's okay for me to be honest with you. I need to be honest. I can't, and it doesn't mean I know all the answers. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. I just want to be honest because I don't want you to think like, cause I saw in the very beginning, people were like, that was an insensitive title. That was, and I know people are feeling something right now. And I get that. I completely get that. And so here's the deal. Here's what I want to break down for you right quick with, with the DMX thing. Um, and also, by the way, this is black owned media. Please hit the thumbs up button. Take one second right now on the count of three, everybody hit the thumbs up button or the subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. One, two, three. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Hit the notification bell uh, because every time we talk, we we do we do educational church. We don't really just talk about what happened. We try to figure out what's going on. We dissect it. We break it down. So here's what I want to kind of do because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a Negroologist and I've been studying. I've been a black man my whole life now. <clears throat> and as a, a black man, Negroologist, I'm going to break down some of what I see in terms of what uh, hip hop Culture became the I'm talking about the dark side of hip hop culture, you know, the dark side where you got little Nas X, you know, sliding down a stripper pole and getting, you know, butt spanked by the devil. <clears throat> right. Like like or Cardi B teaching your daughter to go sell her, you know, sell her vagina for five dollars and in a pair of sneakers. Right. Um, you know, and, and I'm talking about that side. I'm not talking about, you know, the Kendrick Lamar's. I'm not talking about J. Cole. I'm not talking about D1. I'm not talking about the, the guys that, that are the women that want to do something better. I'm talking about the darker side that was created by people who are not black to pull you into a direction that is not going to empower you. That's not going to benefit you because here's the thing about DMX. that's really interesting. These are my, these are my honest thoughts. I'm about the same age as him. So I watched this guy kind of just take over the scene. If you weren't there, you should have been there. When DMX came out with that voice, you know, stop, drop, shut him down, open up shop. Oh, right. He was like the best. He was, I mean, he set records. DMX was in the category of two other entertainers that that unfortunately took a fall that were like, like they were from another planet. Two more that I think about from the 90s, Mike Tyson and Lauren Hill. Mike Tyson, Lauren Hill, and DMX are in the same category in my mind because those were three people who did things that were almost superhumanly extraordinary. I mean, Lauren Hill, when she came in with the Fugees and sing, I mean, it was the most beautiful angel. Nobody's done what Lauren Hill has done since. There has not been another Lauren Hill. Tell me if I'm right. Am I right or am I right? There has not been another Lauren Hill. Mike Tyson. Uh, I'm a second cousin to Muhammad Ali by marriage. I'm from Louisville. Uh, there, <laughs> he's amazing. But Mike Tyson, there was something special about that guy. I did, the way he would walk in the ring with a guy, a big 250-pound guy full of muscles, and knock this guy out in 18 seconds and scare the hell out of him in the process. That was, I've never seen anything like that, right? And then DMX came in. I think he really, I remember him releasing two albums in the same year, and both albums were number one and number two. It was something crazy. Like I mean, he was a guy that was that was destined to be bigger than Jay-Z in terms of music. He was a guy that was breaking records of all the rappers, like breaking records for the entire music industry. <clears throat> so DMX had the world at his feet, but he, but also on his feet, he had a ball and chain attached to his ankle. And that ball and chain that kept him from flying too high was that, was that dope, that dope. And, and I remember hearing DMX, because I, I love hearing people just be honest about their perspective. One thing I respect about DMX and Mike Tyson is that these are two guys who have had really crazy experiences, but they are very reflective and introspective and just brutally honest 
about what they went through and how they got there. And that's one of the things you can you you, you get from that. And I, and I, I think I like that because that was how I learned. I had an uncle who was like an older brother to me. I talked about him a few times before where, where he died and, and it was it was a sad, tragic way for him to die. It was very painful for me because he was my number one role model, the number one person I loved more than anybody in the world. I used to follow him around, you know, and it was it's really sad when your person you look up to, you realize I can't look up to this dude. <laughs> like, like you're 10 years old, like, okay, I got to figure this out, right? No 10 year old should have to be figuring it out on their own, but I did because he wasn't, you know, he, he was into, you know, the drugs and all that. And, um, and so with, with, with DMX, uh, one thing I learned from, from DMX and Tyson and also my uncle was that you can learn a lot from people who made mistakes, right? Like, like there's nothing. I think the best teacher in life a lot of times is that person who's really messed up a lot. Yeah, give me a yes in the chat if you know what I'm talking about. Like you got that relative who just will just tell you in a minute, I'm, I'm fucked up. I've been I've been messed up since the 70s or whatever. But they'll spit game to you in a real honest way. And my father used to do that. My father uh, did that. And um, and he used to take me out and we, he would uh, he would he would be like, see that motherfucker over there. And I'd be like, yeah. He'd be like, well, he used to be captain of the basketball team. Now look at him. He's look at him. He's homeless. He'd be sitting there homeless, you know, stinky, drunk. And I'd be, he'd be like, you won't be like that. I'd be like, no. He'd be like, well, then stay away from drugs. That was literally how I learned about drugs. And it worked because I never touched it. I, ne- I don't even drink. Like, I don't even mess with liquor because I saw what alcohol does to so many black men. It doesn't mean alcohol is bad. I'm not making fun of you if you drink. That's it got it under control. That's that's cool. But but this idea that that in order to be seen as a man, you have to drink. I reject that completely. I've, I've had situ- I had a situation where I sat down with a guy in Guyana and he offered me a drink. And uh, and I said, no, nah, it's OK. I'll take a uh, I'll take water. And he was like he said, well, in, in Guyana, we make fun of you if you don't drink. And I said, well, you're going to have to make fun of me, motherfucker, because I'm not I'm not drinking. I don't want to do it like like I'm man enough to tell you, like you ain't going to take my man away because I don't want to suck down liquor with you like that's not gonna happen you know and i think that that is um one of those weird things that we get you know as as kids like we get these stupid false definitions of what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman and i think being a man means standing your ground being a man means like standing up for what you believe in period so i exercise my manhood every day by getting out and and doing what i do it's you're not going to tell me what it means to be a man so i i think that when you talk about hip-hop and I look at DMX and, I, and, I, and you learn so much from him and Mike Tyson and the choices they've made and the challenges they've had. Um, I think that hip hop did something horrible to the black man where they've now got it to the point where they convinced you somehow that uh, that 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 using the dope or hitting the liquor bottle or whatever it is, that that is the best way for you to exert your manhood. And I can just tell you. Uh, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do, but what I can tell you is that, uh, and I hope DMX would agree with me on this. I don't know if he agrees, but uh, you're seeing right now, you're seeing when you're seeing these guys 40, 50 years old going down from strokes, heart attacks, whatever, after living a pretty messy life, you know, like, you know, kids mad at them because the kid, you know, like, like nobody wants a father. As a, that's a drug addict. Nobody wants a a, a, a a father that's an alcoholic. It's it's if you've ever grown up around that, it's terrible. It's terrible. You know, you can't really depend on them. They, you know, and I don't think that that is the model of manhood that we want. And I think that what has kind of happened is uh is that we've let other people remember black hip hop started black, but it ain't black no more. Other people own it, so they they decide which black people you're gonna listen to, and they're putting people in front of you that are literally giving you blueprints for black male self-destruction. The reason I talk so loud on this platform, the reason I'm in here running my mouth and, and just taking punches and having people get mad at me and talking, talking shit about me every day is because I'm like, somebody got to speak up against this nonsense. Right. And I, and I, and if you agree with me, I hope that you will also help be vocal about it. Get on your Facebook page and share a different message because what these kids are getting in the music is going to kill them. What they're getting in the music, there ain't nobody, ain't no, ain't not near a motherfucker I ever met in my life who sat around taking mollies and Percocets all day, ever turned out to be a productive human being. Never, never. And DMX it, it would agree with me. DMX talks about how he got introduced to, to the dope, to Coke, when he was 15 years old. And he said, I can't get away from it. 
So when I see that, when I would see men say, I can't get away from it, it's better than sex. That told me, man, I better watch out. But it's because whatever that white man put in that shit to put that he's injecting in your brain, it controls you. It takes over you. You become a zombie. You no longer have the ability to exert free will. Black people always love to use the word freedom. We love talking about freedom, freedom, this freedom, that freedom, freedom, freedom. We want freedom, freedom, freedom. Well, if you want that dope, you ain't got no freedom. You ain't got no freedom. If you are dependent on the dope, man, he controls your freedom. He controls your happiness. Like that song with Ice-T, remember he said, I'm your mama, I'm your daddy, I'm that nigga in the alley. It's like, I'm your best friend, I'm your pusher, right? Anybody remember that? That was an old song, but it, but it was like so true. It's like that, like those drugs take over everything. When they put that crack in the black community to destroy you deliberately, that was the first time they'd ever seen mothers abandon their children. There's no stronger bond on earth than a mother and a child. The oxytocin, which is the chemical in the brain that forces that forges the bond between mothers and children, was overridden by whatever artificial chemical is going in your brain when you're hitting that dope. So if there's ever, you know, anything that we can get, I'm sorry, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm a person that don't believe in sitting around whining and complaining all day. I'm a problem solver. Again, I, I probably sound like an insensitive bastard by bringing it up this way. And I'm not trying to in any way disparage what DMX is going through. But I think the best way to show respect to a motherfucker is to like learn something. Grow. Don't do the same damn shit. Seriously, stop repeating yourself. Stop replicating behavior that you know is going to kill you. Put down the, the don't just put down the dope, but the, the liquor. I mean, and you can do it if you want to, but put maybe the Popeye's chicken, right? Like how many people, how many of our people got to go down from strokes, diabetes, and heart attacks before we say, damn, they are feeding us poison. Our oppressor is cooking, is growing our food and cooking it, and they're injecting it with poison every step of the way, and we keep eating the poison. How many times do you have to be manufactured into various forms of slavery before you say, let's stop letting these people educate our kids. Let's stop raising our kids to go work for white people. Like there's so many different ways that we just somehow think that because everybody else is doing it, it's okay. <clears throat> I guess it's that a sheep doesn't really know how to be a critical thinker because a sheep will still follow the other sheep, even if they're watching the other sheep get slaughtered. So that's why I say, you know, in this space right now, um, if you're too much of a sheep or you're not trying to be a free thinker, then you probably shouldn't be here because I'm only going to piss you off. I am not here to regurgitate and reiterate the bullshit that you're going to hear in media. But let me just break it down like this. Think about this. Seriously. Now, again, I'm talking to the black people who wake up every morning and wonder if you were born on the wrong planet. I'm talking to my fellow weirdos. I'm not talking to the mainstream. I don't want to be mainstream. Mainstream is ignorant. I'm not talking to the masses because the masses are too white. I'm not talking to the sheep. I'm talking to the people that want to be critical thinkers on this and uh, and process this for a moment. Let, let me just lay this out for you. These are thoughts that go through my brain. Again, excuse me if I sound insensitive. I got to tell you the truth. So I sat there and I watched, I remember in the nineties, you know, I remember the nineties, you know, I'm, I got OG status. I'm not a kid. I remember the nineties and I remember Bobby and Whitney living their best life, right? Everybody cheering them on, making songs about how they free and liberated and they can do whatever they want. And everybody thinks it's okay because they're famous and they're rich and whatever, but you're starting to see the trickle in of the drugs, right? You're starting to see a little bit, you know, Whitney did that famous interview with Barbara Walters that y'all might, that you can find on YouTube where she says crack is whack. Anybody remember that? Tell me yes. If you remember when Whitney said crack was whack and she said, show me receipts, which was a weird thing to say, to be honest. I mean, like the crack dealers don't give receipts. I assume, I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they got new technology or something. But then you saw Bobby and Whitney have a, a child, a beautiful daughter by the name of Bobby Christine. Bobby Christine grows up and she dies from a drug overdose. Um, her boyfriend, if I'm not mistaken. Also, tell me if I'm right. Give me a yes or no in the chat. If I'm all right, I'm trying to remember this. I didn't follow the story too close, but I saw it. Uh, he died from a drug overdose. And then you had uh, Bobby Brown Jr. Who recently got hit with a drug overdose. I think he might've passed too. Tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, like, let me know. But I think he died. So, so what you're seeing here is, the thing that you were cheering for, like you were cheering, like, 
like go Bobby, go Whitney, right? And because they're making money and, and, and it looks like things are going well. But one of the things you got to learn about life, in my opinion, is that um, everything that glitters ain't gold. Just because you go to Hollywood and white people write you big checks, that does not mean that you're living your best life. For many people that go out there into the entertainment industry, they think that they're living their best life when actually they end up living their worst life. They think they're getting the dream when really they're going to be fed a consistent nightmare. And so, um, again, as a guy who talks about money all the time and, and wealth, and I understand money extremely well. That's my that's my area. Right. Um, I really want to kind of be real careful with ex- helping you understand that you, you shouldn't just be celebrating um people's economic uh, economic achievements to mean that they are necessarily successful people. There are a lot of very wealthy black people who are very rich and very famous uh, who are actual, actually complete failures. If you look deep into their life, they got so many problems. They got so many problems that you wouldn't even want 10% of the problems that they have. And a lot of times those problems creep in because you you forget, you keep thinking that being famous and rich is the goal and that that's the, the big win when really it's the little things that can fuck up your shit. Like, um, remember that movie Soul, the Disney movie Soul? That was a great example of this actually, where the guy spends the whole movie trying to become rich and famous. He wants to perform. It's a jazz you know, pianist and also, and he gets to perform in his big performance, whatever. And at the end, he gets everything he wanted, but then he looks back on his life and realizes that the, the treasure is in the little things, the treasure and the danger, right? Meaning that the, the, the benefits and the value from life comes from the little things, you know, spending time with the people you love, doing work that you're happy with, being you know loved and respected and appreciated in the environment that you're in instead of being surrounded by white people who hate your guts every day, right? Little things like that is where you find your bliss. That's also, though, if those things are neglected, that's where you can find uh, a various forms of spiritual death. That's why you have a lot of, um, you'll hear stories sometimes about this, where you have some athlete or entertainer who is worth $100 million who is suddenly suicidal or somebody who is super famous and next thing you know, they're in a hospital because they had a drug overdose or you'll hear, about, you know, and, and these are only the problems that get into the media that the other problems don't actually even become public. So, so what you're seeing is the tip of the iceberg. You're not seeing the whole iceberg. So keep that in mind. Now do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Please take one second. This is black media. We really need your help in helping this grow. Um, we were talking about DMX and his overdose and, and then we wish him the best. And again, Again, for those who just came in, I want to make it clear. I want to keep reiterating over and over and over again that my goal is not to be insensitive. If I if I sound insensitive at any point, just chalk it up to the fact that I'm an insensitive bastard. I'd rather tell the truth than to sugarcoat and make you feel better and give you a big lie. So I hope that that's okay. Give me a yes in the chat to confirm to me. I need you to confirm this so that I don't because I don't feel bad because when somebody gets sick or somebody dies or they're close to death, it's a very touchy issue and I respect that and I acknowledge that and I do not want you to think that I'm trying on any level to disparage this brother because I think he he is so talented. Uh, it, 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 whatever happens, I wish him the very best. Um, and uh, I don't, you know, however it ends, you know, I, I don't know, but uh, it makes me sad to see him going through this. But let me tell you one little story about DMX that's really interesting too. Um, this goes back again. I told you I'm the same age as him. So I remember the nineties. I remember seeing him rise. I remember watching his, his slow decline. And uh, I remember Here's this was a really interesting moment for me. I was about 28 years old and I think DMX might have been 29 at the time. And uh, and so at that stage in your 20s, you look up to the rappers. Right. As black people, we tend to look up to rappers because rappers have all the money. They got all the fame. They have all the girls. And when you're young, you don't know who you are. And this is one of the dangers of the dark side of hip hop is that when they're promoting un, you know, uneducated thugs and you know just dudes that just want to smoke and drink all day. The, what happens is your good guys, the guys that would be good husbands, good fathers, you know, like solid dudes, they start saying, well, dang, well, maybe I can get more girls if I act like him, especially. And this is where, ladies, we follow your cue. We listen to you, what you like. Right. It's the same way. Like when you see when ladies, when you see men chasing after some big booty hoe and not respecting the good girl. Well, a lot of women say, well, dang, maybe I need to be more of a hoe in order to get more male attention. And, and then eventually you learn that that's not what it's supposed to be. Right. Well, the same thing is true, I think, with young guys like, you, you know, you're you're I'm, I, you know, I'm 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 completely 
completely worthless. Like as far as um, dating goes, you know, I'm in my 20s. I'm in graduate school. I ain't making that much money. I'm trying to build a future. I'm working hard. I'm investing in myself. I'm doing all these great things that I think would make me a great father one day and a great husband. But it wasn't really appreciated because everybody looks up to the flashiness, like the, the you know, the, the the famous people and the money, people that got money and all that. And it's a paradox. And, and in fact, I encourage any young guy who's in that category, just keep doing you. Eventually it goes full circle. Eventually, when the women get to around around late 20s, early 30s, they start realizing hmm, maybe I shouldn't have decided, you know, maybe I shouldn't have laid down with a guy like a future. Maybe I need to find a guy with a future instead of laying down with, with a guy who imitates future. I want a man who's actually got a future because future ain't got no future. Future is unfortunately that poor guy. He's it, it, that prototype is uh, that's a blueprint for self-destruction. Just to be honest with you, if, if he does anything that he he raps about and talks about, I don't know. But then that's him. I'm not going to talk about this guy. But 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 going into that, I remember watching DMX and I remember hearing him say um, they were talking about what it was like to be on tour. And I was paying attention. You know, eventually I became friends with Dame Dash, but back then I didn't know Dame. So I saw Dame with Rockefeller and they were doing the world tour. And I'm looking, I'm just like, you know, in all of this, I'm a fan like everybody else. And I remember DMX, I think DMX was on the tour and they asked him like, so what do you do on tour? What do you do when you're hanging out? And he said something that was real interesting to me. It really made me think. He said, um, he said, uh, you know, you know, we, we smoke all day, fuck all night. Right. And I was like, wow, okay, okay, well, well, you know, fucking all night, okay, wow, okay, that sounds like fun, right? Smoking all day, nah, that didn't. But the the other part, I was like, oh, wow, that must be cool to be a, a rapper. But then I remember thinking, I swear to God, I remember thinking, that can't end well. Like, I don't know if that's a productive way to live. Like, I don't know, like, you know, like what I did, if you asked me, if you were like, if you asked a 28 year old boys, like, like, so, so what Dr. Boyce, what, or boys, I wouldn't even Dr. Boyce back then. I was just boys. And you're like, boys, what do you do with your time all day? I'd be like, um, study all day, <laughs> like dream all night. Right? Like I'm dreaming about one day becoming successful and I study all day to get there. Like that's what I did. And nobody else I knew did that. Right. And, and that's not normal. You got to understand that, that that's not normal that in your community, that it's rare to find, you know, young black people that are, that are literally sitting around studying six, seven, eight hours a day. I have friends from Russia, uh, from China, from parts of Africa, from South America, who did that? I have friends from Jamaica whose families did that. They said, of course, if you want to be successful, you got to work hard. I did not. And again, this was just my experience. I did not have a lot of African-American friends who did that. I had a lot of African-American friends that were into uh, what I call that slave culture, right? That slave culture where you, you know, you call up your boy and you're like, hey, man, what you up to? Oh, nothing. Chilling. Right. And, and I remember thinking, you know, I think that in this world as a black man, there's so many ways for you to die. There's so many people that want to see you fail, right? There's so many ways that you can be tripped up, so many ways you can end up in prison. You can end up, you know, uh, economically trapped, uh, like enslaved. You can end up dead. And I remember thinking, maybe we shouldn't be chilling. Maybe part of the reason that we make such easy prey for the white man's traps is because we we have this culture that encourages us to sit around chilling. And uh, and I deliberately, I remember deliberately kind of saying, you know, I think I want to walk away from that culture. I don't want to be a part of that. So if you ask me like, what, so what are you doing today? I'd be like, oh, hustling, hustling. You know, I, I, I want it to win. I want it to be successful. And, and I think that that culture, I think that when you talk about, you know, the music and, and what it's doing to a lot of our young, young people and why so many of our young people end up stuck in trap is because there's not something there that's really telling you to hustle. Right. Uh, you know, like, but I, but, but, but that's changing. Right. But there's some people out there. I saw this guy that had a platform and it says sleep is for suckers. And I was like, that's, I like that title. Now I don't agree now necessarily with that concept. I think sleep is very important. Actually sleep is really important for your mental and physical health. You can get plenty of sleep and still be a hustler, but I was like, okay, I get where you're going with that. That's right. Sleep is for suckers. Right. And, uh, and, and now I, you know, but, but, but the point of the matter is to say that I like the idea that we've got, you know, just a lot of brothers out here and women as well who just kind of are walking away from that nonsense, right? Who kind of like, yeah, you can, you can, you can go into the music industry and 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 be who you want to be, but that's not who we are as as black people. And I think DMX would approve this message. I think that if you were to ask DMX, hey man, you know, what is there anything you would change about your life over the last thirty years? He would probably take the dope out of the equation. 
You know, um, this was a guy who uh, reminds me, he reminds me of um, of what Suge Knight had with Death Row Records. You know, if you remember with Suge Knight and Death Row Records, they were sitting on a billion. They were sitting on a couple billion. Uh, you know, Kanye West is a billionaire now. Um, I talked to poor Kanye. I remember I remember I, I, I apologize to that brother because because he, he said when we were on the phone, I swear to God, Kanye said he was worth four billion dollars. And I also swear to God, I did not believe him. I totally I said he said he's worth four billion. OK, well, we're just OK. I hope that that happens one day. But I'll be damned if Kanye ain't worth more than four billion. He's worth five or six billion or something. And um. And so, so there's billionaires being created in hip hop. Um, I believe that I know Dr. Dre is a billionaire. Uh, Jay Z is a billionaire. I believe Ice Cube. And he don't talk about money much uh, when when he comes on the platform, but I believe Ice Cube's gonna be a billionaire. Uh, and so, and maybe Snoop. I believe Snoop when he's linking up with these tech companies and cannabis brands. I believe Snoop is gonna be a billionaire. And Suge Knight should have been a billionaire. Uh, Tupac would have been a billionaire. Uh, Easy E would have been a billionaire. Uh, why? Well, because these individuals were on the ground floor, the seminal floor of one of a multi-trillion-dollar industry. That's where billionaires come from. And so the question becomes: How do we lose that opportunity? Why is it that right now Hasbro, who owns Mr. Potato Head, also owns Death Row Records? I don't know if y'all know that, but Hasbro, who the you know, that, that toy company, actually owns uh, Death Row Records because they got they just bought it as part of a package of of companies, and it was like, oh yeah, we'll throw this crappy little piece of shit black company in the mix just so you can have something extra. And uh, and I think about that, and 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 when you talk about black wealth, right? When you talk about where the black wealth went, how did it disappear? I think about things like Death Row Records, which could have fed ten thousand black people a year. Right. I, I really believe that. I believe that if, if if there had been a different culture, you know, money making and business and success and success in general, just success, like high achievement, hustle, hustle, hustleology, being the best at what you do, that, that that's a motherfucking culture, man. Like if you are in that culture, then you will win. If that is how you breathe, if you eat, sleep and breathe hustle-nomics and high achievement and hard work and never giving up and persistence and consistency and learning and all that, you're going to win. You're going to win. And so I think about that, right? And I say, what if, and you had a little bit of that, right? Tupac had some of that, right? With, with death. Remember when Tupac got out of jail, first thing he did was he went to the studio and all he did was he was in the studio just milking the cow. Like he knew that his voice on a record, Tupac was in that DMX category. I, I put them in the same category. I don't know. We're not going to debate hip hop one way or the other. I'm sure hip hopologists would, would maybe disagree with me, but I put them in the same category in the sense that DMX and Pac could both literally sing Mary had a little lamb. And I think DMX has done that where it's like, Mary had a little lamb, right? Like they, they, they can literally say Mary had a little lamb and that song would be a hit. Like, seriously, like, think about how many times I'm not going to go into it. But a lot of hip hop songs, if you listen to them very closely, actually sound like um, they're actually nursery rhymes. One of the things that they learned, like Jay-Z, remember, one of Jay-Z's first big songs was it's a hard night life for us. It's a hard night life for us. Right. That's that's kind of a nursery type song. Like that's a children's song. Right. And then you add a little bass to it. And then we like we basically are kindergartners, except now you're 25, 35 years old. But you're still going back to kindergarten with that. Right. You just got the bass with whatever you were listening to when you were five. Right. Same thing is true with uh, remember DMX. Y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. Y'all going to make me go all out up in here, up. In, anybody remember that? Right. That's think about it. Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. Right. It's the same kind of cadence. Right. So basically, a lot of times with 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 hip hop, you know, what, what I see is I, I think about that and I say, you know, when I think about Death Row Records and how cool Death Row was, I mean, the coolest thing in the entire industry, like they were like the Apple. They were like to, to hip hop what Apple is to technology. Just cool. Everybody wanted to be down. I remember this album cover. Remember the double album pop came out when he first got out of jail and you had. Uh, what was it? I think you had that, that, that this image with with Suge Knight and Snoop and Dr. Dre and Pac, and they all looking all gangster like, right? And literally everything they touched turned to gold. Everything they touched. So they were sitting on a multi-billion, maybe hundred billion dollar possibility right there, right? So what 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 messed it up? Culture. It was culture, right? You, 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 unfortunately, you had Suge, who uh, was kind of a bully. You know, he's a guy that felt like if he didn't, if you didn't sign a contract, he would hold you over the, you know, the ledge of a building by your ankles. 
Uh, you had a lot of, uh, you know, slave culture happening right right there in the studio. People getting shot because you didn't make the song right or whatever, whatever the hell was going on. Right. And ultimately, that attracted the attention of the feds. It brought in a lot of other problems. Uh, and you still see that to this day. I mean, 20 something years later, you have Bobby Shmurda out of New York who also became the biggest artist in, in the world. And again, because the culture incentivizes hip hop music was deliberately transformed into something that, excuse me, encourages uh, counterproductive behavior for black men uh, and criminal behavior for black men in particular and self-destructive behavior for black men. So you literally will have songs where rappers to this day, they still do it where they will rap about somebody they killed and will give all the evidence in the song and then go to the studio and have illegal drugs and weapons so that the feds that are following them around are like, this is an easy catch. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. There's nothing strategic happening here. Well, I think a lot of that is because I think that in our culture, we've lost the uh, importance of strategic critical thinking. We don't encourage critical thinking. That's why people get mad at me. Some people get mad at me because I am a critical thinker. I'm a strategic thinker. So I'm going to tell you what the, what I'm thinking. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to fit in. I'm too old for that. I'm not interested in that. So I'm going to say, let's really think about this. Let's process this. And, you know, let's sit with intelligent black people and really let's look at this thing and let's figure out if this has really worked for us. So when you're talking about things like black wealth, you cannot disconnect it from the lost potential that you see from uh, bad personal choices that were that were were motivated by simply following the crowd. Like you can't you can't disconnect that. You cannot disconnect um, all the the trillions of dollars that that black people have lost for various reasons with uh, what has happened just in the last 20, 30 years alone in terms of us incentivizing black men to want to be stupid or incentivizing black men to want to be drug addicts or incentivizing black men to want to be baby daddies or incentivizing black men to want to throw their money away and give it to like racist sons of bitches like Jake the jeweler and people like that. These damn people, they, they laugh at you like they literally laugh at you. And they're like, this stupid rapper came and gave me $10 million so he can have a big, gigantic 50 pound chain around his neck. He ain't thinking about nothing. He ain't thinking about his grandkids. He ain't thinking about legacy. He ain't thinking about empire building. He's thinking about trying to stunt, trying to be cool. I don't even know if stunting. Stunt, people probably don't use the word stunt anymore. Whatever the word is, y'all know what I'm talking about trying to just be flashy and it's stupid. It's just stupid. You know, so I, I, I know I went off on a little bit of, of a tangent. I know we started talking about DMX. And again, I want to make this clear. Um, I really hope that he's okay, right? I really hope that he comes out of this okay. I've been rooting for this guy. Um, I was root, just like I root for Lauren Hill and I rooted for Mike Tyson still to this day, right? Um, but I think that to some extent, though, you got to remember, just like my uncle, my uncle and my dad were two guys that made a lot of mistakes. My father came back from a lot of his mistakes because he's a real strong man. Um, I get I, the strength I have, I attribute to him. My uncle wasn't as strong. The world kind of beat him up and he eventually died and it was real sad to watch him go down. But I learned most of my lessons not from people who did all the right things. Um, I learned my lessons from people who did the wrong things, right? So, so I think that as a community, I think it's okay. And I hope you'll give me permission to, to, to make this suggestion without being seen as a complete insensitive bastard. I know the internet's crazy. People going to hate you no matter what, but, I, but I'm not trying to, trying to be insensitive on this, but I hope you'll give me permission to say, to make this suggestion. As you watch what happens with DMX, let's take the time and see what lessons can be learned from this so that we can move forward as a community and reassess our values and develop a culture that leads to success, a culture that leads to life and not death, a culture that leads to prosperity, not devastation, a culture that leads to, to the fulfillment of possibility and not to the curse of lost opportunity. Because when I think about DMX and as talented as that poor guy is, I think about lost opportunity. DMX, in my view, should be right there with Jay-Z in Billionaire's Row. Why is Jay in Billionaire's Row and DMX isn't? Well, you got to go back to choices. If you look at, let's think about this, process this for a minute. This is the last point I'll make on this. Actually, do me a favor. Before I make this last point, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button, and uh, make sure you sign up. Make sure you sign up for the channel. I have to, I want to make sure I ask you guys to do that because I really need you guys to um, help us build this media. We really need your help because we're out here against a whole bunch of coonery and whatnot. So I kind of need y'all to like, back me up on this. So if you are in agreement and alignment, I hope you'll take a second to 
uh, to do that. And also, by the way, if you ever want to come by and talk to me in the morning, I don't know if you guys know I've been playing video games uh, a lot with my kids because I learned how to play Call of Duty and some other stuff. So sometimes I'll be playing video games and you can actually come talk to me on my Twitch channel and ask me questions and stuff. So you can, there's the Twitch URL right there if you want to subscribe. Um, here's the last point uh, I'll make on this. I want you to think, take a moment and I want you to think about the 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 hip hop artists that that did it right, the guys that you know are sitting on lots of money, who seem to be doing okay for the most part, uh, who survived the chaotic '90s. If you remember back in the '90s, a lot of rappers died. Easy E died, Tupac died, Suge Knight went down. Um, you had a lot of a lot of bad situations, right? Uh, then you had survivors, right? Now, who were the survivors of all this? And who were the ones that went on to become billionaires? Well, you got my homie Ice Cube. I don't know if Cube is worth a billion, but I bet he's close. He has a basketball league. And I don't understand why these all these athletes, you got all these $100 million athletes who, who are still begging the NBA and the NFL for opportunities. That don't even make no damn sense. The Chicago Bears were purchased for like 100 bucks. They're worth $3 billion today. They were purchased for 100 bucks about two and a half generations ago. Now they're worth 3 or $4 billion. Go create the Chicago Bears again. Do it for your grandkids. Shit, stop begging these white people to take care of you. It, it, it's sickening. It's it's ridiculous. It's it, it's crazy. It's it's like literally a manifestation of slave thinking. But let me get back to this. I'm sorry. I get I get triggered when I hear that shit. All right. So uh, Ice Cube. Uh, who else? Dr. Dre, uh, who I, I assume is his buddy. Uh, you got um, Kanye, uh, the the Republican. He's a billionaire. Uh, what's another one who did Diddy? Diddy's a billion. Diddy's been a billionaire for a while. And then let's say Jay-Z. So we throw all those guys in there. So so if you look at Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Kanye, Diddy, and Jay-Z, one thing I think that you'll observe is that these guys didn't do what everybody else was doing. Um, they didn't just try to fit the mold. Um, Ice Cube, uh, I believe that most of his wealth, I, 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 I don't want to speak too much on it, you know, uh, speak for him, but I get this sense, and I think this is why uh, why we became friends is because he's got a boss's mentality. He's built like a king. He's a leader, and if you listen to his music very carefully, he's always thought that way. If you remember, if you go back to when, if you watch uh, Straight Outta Compton, you go back to when um, Cube was with N.W.A. and Jerry Heller did what a lot of people are going to do. If you're stupid in business, if you if you if, if people think that you're slipping and you're not paying attention, they're always going to try to rob you. Like just know it. Like you can get mad and be like, "Oh, they racist. They took my money." Well, why the fuck did you give them your money in the first place? Seriously, like, <laughs> oh, they tricked me. They tricked me. Well, I'm sorry. Welcome to the world of men. If you a sucker, then somebody's going to suck that money out of your pocket. Like seriously, like don't be a sucker. Like, don't be a sucker and then get mad because somebody takes advantage of you for being a sucker. You made yourself a sucker. He didn't make you a sucker. So when uh, Jerry Heller tried to offer Cube and Dre and, 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 and the NWA the sucker deal, Ice Cube was the guy who said, no, thank you. I'm going to bounce out. I'm going to go solo. <laughs> I went solo. Now I'm making all the dough. Y'all remember that, right? And so he was always strategic um, when he wanted to see a movie made. He made the movie. He 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 channeled the uh, black man's power of manifestation, which is that's what masculine leadership is. Mas masculine leadership is the ability to manifest. It means you you're the creator of things. You're not just you don't just follow the crowd all the time. Sometimes you can follow. It's important to be a follower when you need to be. But sometimes you you like well I'm gonna take the wheel. I, I since you're not a good alpha, I'm gonna become the alpha, right? So Ice Cube is an alpha. He's a manifester. He's a creator. He created when he didn't see movies when John. Singleton told him that uh, that they he said this actually on this channel. He said uh, when John Singleton told me that that they're not going to make another Boys in the Hood or scripts like this are few and far between. He said, OK, well, I'm going to write my own script. He manifested that uh, uh, with the um, the big three league. He helped manifest that by basically realizing that there are all these old athletes who are still very well known and very well respected that people want to see. And he gave them a platform. That's why Cube is going to be a billionaire. Most rappers are going to be broke. Most rappers I know don't have any money. Uh, another one, Dr. Dre. Well, Dr. Dre uh, is a guy who was not just a musical genius. Um, he also was a guy who uh, made some deals uh, in terms of he was one of the first to really leverage his brand power, like working with Apple and creating Beats by Dre. Right. He was he was a, one of the people that helped to you know, creating all that process. So he kind of got his billions the same way Kanye did. They took that brand and they were able to flip that into something that became a product. 
right? Now, I don't know if, if Dre created the product. Um, I'm sure there were lots of other people involved, right? I, I, I went to um, a party where I went to an all-star weekend party that was hosted by the, the Jordan brand. Remember the other day we were talking about the Jordan brand and I wanted to make it clear to you guys, I wasn't dissing them because these are my friends. Like the guys that run Jordan, the Jordan brand, I met them. I like them a lot. I was just simply, y'all know me again. I just tell it like it is. Sometimes I offend people, but I can't apologize for your feelings. I can just only tell you what's what, what I see, right? So because facts don't care much about your feelings, right? It's just going to be what it is. But I was there and I sat next to this really cocky, arrogant white guy. And uh, I don't know who this guy was, don't know his name at all. But I remember he uh, he sat down next to me like he was really cocky, like he had really done something important. And I was like, so what do you do? And I didn't talk about what I do. What I do doesn't matter. And he told me, he said, I created, um, he said, I create, I was one of the creators of Beats by Dre headphones. And, uh, and I told him, I said, you guys did a really good job with the marketing because it was fascinating to me how by putting your headphones on celebrities' ears, you convince people that the value was more than what it actually is. And uh, I don't know if he was offended by that. Again, I told you I pissed people off because I'm too direct. But that's what I saw with Beats by Dre headphones. I saw just a, a great marketing plan. And ultimately, that's how Dr. Dre became a billionaire. Kanye became a billionaire the same way Dre did. He's created these shoes, these overpriced shoes that I would never buy in a million years, but apparently people like them. So now Kanye's a billionaire. If you look at Kanye's other assets, if you look at where he's got his other money, you know, it's a fraction. It's tiny compared to the money he's making from his deals with Adidas and the Gap. So Kanye basically took his brand, flipped it into a product, and now he's worth several billion dollars. And he don't give a flying fuck if you're mad at him for voting for Donald Trump. It did Kanye done made the whole world mad and still he's still winning. So this kind of shows you like stop worrying about what people think. Just be the best that you can be. Seriously. Uh, if you're great and you're excellent and you're powerful at what you do, the world will move out of your way. So shout out to Kanye for being powerful. Diddy has always been super strategic uh, for many years. Diddy, Diddy to me, I think Diddy was the first billionaire of this crowd. Diddy is a guy who also did the same thing, took his brand, flipped it into the champagne thing and moved on. But also, if you remember back in the day, Diddy was never really I mean, he was an OK rapper. He did all right. He had a couple hit songs, but I bet he probably made 10 nickels on those songs. I see Diddy's power being from the fact that Diddy was always an owner. Diddy was always the guy who understood that the power was not from the person who was on the stage. It was from the people who owned the stage and financed the stage and were behind the stage. So Diddy, even going back to the days of Biggie, Diddy was around. You saw him on there. He liked that attention. But for the most part, Diddy was always an owner. And that's why Diddy was the first guy to become a billionaire. And then the same thing with Jay-Z. Jay-Z is a guy who I saw Jay-Z mature. And what I liked about Jay, and again, this is, of course, there are things you can always critique about all these, all these guys, right? And this is not the prototype for what all black people need to be. Every black person can be a rapper. I swear to God, I swear if I hear another person come up to me and tell me they want to be a rapper, I'm going to go crazy because I meet rap everywhere I go. I'm meeting rappers, rappers, rappers. And it's cool to be a rapper, but you got to understand the business side. Um, like D1, D1 understands the business side really well. He's a great rapper, but D1 also understands he's a teacher. He understands he's a Christian. He understands he's a he's a um, an influencer in the world, that he's a strong black man. You know, he he's, he's so much more than just a rapper. Rap is simply the tool through which he manifests these ideas, but he's more than just a rapper. Okay. So with Jay-Z, the last piece I'll say with Jay, as I love what I loved about Jay is that Jay just grew the fuck up. Like Jay just was a guy who was like, okay, I'm not gonna wear these oversized jerseys and I'm 45 years old. I'm not gonna sit here and try to be a teenager for the rest of my life. I'm not trying to be the number one rapper every year with the number one song. I'm going to go become an owner. I'm going to become a partner in various business ventures. I'm going to get me a wife and a family and make a power move that way. I'm going to build a kingdom. I, I really think that when I just to be honest with you, again, I'm a skeptical bastard. I never really I, I, I don't believe that that I, a lot of marriages are just they you know, it ain't all lovey-dovey like people think it is. Right. Like, I don't even know if him and Beyonce even like each other. But let me tell you what. They're both bosses and they both understand something that people understood 3000 years ago. Thousands of years ago, um, when countries wanted to form powerful unions, they the king of one country would say to the king of the other country, okay, I got a daughter, you got a son, let's marry these two and our kingdoms will be united. Now, again, I'm not saying this is what's going on. I'm not advocating for one way or the other, but 
that's pretty much what I saw when I saw Beyonce and Jay-Z come together. And that's also why I would say to guys like, you know, pay attention to the types of women you roll with. You know, I understand you might be attracted to the big button and smile and, the, you know, the little thoughts or whatever. But but it's hard to really build an empire with a thought. Like, it's really hard. Like a thought will kind of take all your money. She might be a gold digger. She'll drain you, you know, drain you dry financially, suck you dry in more ways than one. But it's like. You know, sometimes having that woman who kind of understands what you're developing, like that legacy piece is really important. If I'm not mistaken, well, you know, but then again, though, it can go bad. Like I think Dr. Dre is going through an ugly divorce right now. I know Ice Cube been rapping about Kim for 30 years. Uh, well, Kanye has his own Kim. That ain't going so well either. I'm just kind of going to Diddy. I don't think so. So so there you go. So, so with Cube and Jay, you've got the marriage thing. The other three, eh, the, the verdict is still in. But I would say that ultimately, even when you think about who you roll with, the kinds of friends you have, the kinds of family, kind of family you structure, the kind of women you hang out with or ladies, the kind of men you pick. You know, I think that all that has to play a part in all of this, because remember, this is important. This is your life. Right. And when I think about DMX, that was what we started off talking about. Y'all know me. I like to go into other areas. I don't like to just sit here and gossip about what somebody's life is. But when I look at DMX, that's what I see. I don't really feel bad for him because he lost his record deals and money. He lost so much something, some things that were so much more valuable than money. You know, um, you know, the way you manage your life, the culture that you allow around you, the culture that you choose, the culture that you develop in your household will shape everything that occurs uh, for you in every single aspect of your life. So don't just think about the money and the fame and all that. That'll come, right? Think about life. Think about culture. What do I do when I get up in the morning? How do I use my time? How do I deal with the people that are around me? How do I decide who's going to be around me, right? Because if you look at those guys, if you compare Ice Cube, Dre, Kanye, Diddy, and Jay-Z, all of whom are going to be billionaires, to you know, Easy e Suge Knight, Pac, et cetera, there's a clear line of demarcation where you can see where different choices were made and that made all the difference in the world. So make the right choices, man. Like that's extremely important. And I think if, if you can learn anything from DMX and again, my heart goes out to this, this brother. And I want to reiterate to anybody who just came in, this is not a diss track. I ain't dissing this guy. I, uh, I really wish him the best, but I want you to learn from it. I, I, you know, just like I learned from my uncle when he died, when my uncle died, I learned a lot of lessons from him. And that's the only Thing I could get out of that that would keep me from feeling like complete shit. You know, like nobody wants to see somebody they love go down. But I said the best thing he ever did was he taught me how to make choices in my life and how that's going to play out. And for a black man, choices are everything. You are in a world where you're constantly under attack. They're constantly trying to take you down. They're tr- constantly trying to get you distracted, get you hooked on that dope, get you stacked up with babies, mamas, get you messed up in a f- bad financial situation. Whatever it is, you got to be strategic. If you're not strategic, you will not win. You will lose in the game of life. All right. So do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. And uh, also, um, uh, I, I'm going to give you guys my my Instagram. My Instagram is the real voice walking. So feel free to follow me on the Insta- on Instagram. And, um, and also, I have... Uh, if you go to the drboicebreakdown.com, actually, this podcast is on Spotify. So feel free to subscribe right there at the drboicebreakdown.com. So uh, can we agree? Give me a yes confirmation before we go that you did not see this as a diss track on DMX. I want to make sure this is clear. Give me a yes. I need a yes, a verbal yes. So we can be because so, I know it's how people are going to spin it. Like, oh, Dr. Boyce would diss DMX. No, give me a yes that you understand that this was in love and that I was not trying to make fun of this guy. I feel so bad for him. I want to see him do well. But also I remember this is a bigger than just DMX. This is about our community. And I think that DMX's downfall is a reflection of so much of what we see in our own families and our own communities. And I don't want you to fall. I want to see you thrive. I want to see you win. And in fact, actually, there was something um, that I was giving away that I really um, want to share, especially for young people. Like I know I have a lot of young people that I meet who, you know, get advice from me and stuff like that. And I, I like giving advice to you because I want to see you succeed. I want to see you learn things. Um, and there's a life class I have called Black Keys to Greatness. And it used to have a cost. There was a cost attached, but it's actually totally free now. So you can get in, just go to the bottom and where it says lifetime membership cost is a thousand dollars, whatever. You'll see that scratched out and it'll say free. So you can go to blackkeystogreatness.com and just go sign up for the free lifetime membership. 
There's a ton of curriculum in there on everything on how to be successful from how to manage your time like a, like a boss, um, how to make decisions, how to uh, how to deal with haters. I deal with a lot of haters. I deal with thousands and thousands of haters. There's a process for that. Um, how do you overcome? How do you overcome obstacles? How do you bounce back from a setback? How do you set goals? So it's right there. Feel free to go take a look. All right. I'm out of here, guys. I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you for listening. Um, I will see you soon. And, uh, and, and the best to DMX. I hope it gets better. I'll see you soon. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money and the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is blissful, we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are.